Our scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Or a constant struggle. But this is not a battle of politics, a war of nations, or a clash of military powers. This struggle, our struggle, is not against flesh and blood. It is against the powers of darkness that confront us daily. A relentless battle between light and darkness, spirit and flesh. But as one caught in this struggle, you don't have to feel defeated or discouraged. God has made a way to redeem your struggle and give you victory. Are you ready for the battle? Well, I hope you had a, a wonderful Thanksgiving. You know, uh, Thanksgiving year after year kind of has its ups and downs, doesn't it? Every year is a little bit different. I hope you had a wonderful one. But I can tell you, I can think of no better way than to spend Thanksgiving, or the end of Thanksgiving, with family. And that's what you're doing right now. We're here as, as church family. We are blood family because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And what a great way to end a, a Thanksgiving break here with families. So I don't know what this week holds. Maybe it's back to school somewhere or back to work. The routine, back into the routine, whatever that might be for you. And as you walk into the days ahead, what, a be what better way is there to take those steps and spend some time together with family? Because family is so important to us. We have a, a family email chain. And, and um, so just before Thanksgiving, kind of thinking about families, one of the members of our family sent out some granddad jokes. My dad passed away a few years ago, and he was very much known for his his uh, sense of humor, lack of sense of humor, or whatever you want to call it. But he, he did like the uh, dad jokes, the ones that make you moan and him chuckle. And one of, one of the jokes was, what did the mother turkey say to her disobedient children? If your dad could see you now, he'd turn over in his gravy. Yeah. Dad would have liked that. I heard a chuckle over there more than just the moans. Uh, but family is so important to us. And as you walk into the routine of your life and of your week, you don't walk alone. The strength we gain from each other helps us in that spiritual battle that's in front of us, that struggle. And that's what we've been talking about, this struggle in this world. And today we're going to look at the armor, the armor. There's a lot of things people have done to keep themselves safe in this world. I mean, if you were to go to Europe, one of the things many of you would do there is you would tour the castles. <clears throat> there was a day where they, people would build castles and, and in hopes that they would be impenetrable. I mean, if I go inside the castle, I will be safe. And that was true for, for many years, but then ornaments got so good that they could break down those walls. And so, and so it got to where people would build bunkers underground where it would be safe. But then there are those bunker bombs and other things. So we're always looking for that safe room, but it seems like there always comes up in this world a way to break into those safe places. So, but Randy talked about last week in this struggle, God doesn't call us to withdraw from the world. I mean, he called us out of this world, but he also sent us into this world, but he sent us in sanctified. 
There is a difference as we walk into the world. And that's what we're going to talk about today. At the time Paul wrote this, it's, he, he was chained to Roman soldiers. And I imagine when a Roman soldier was on duty, he was dressed in his armor. And so Paul might have been thinking about that, the Roman armor. But we all know that that didn't last. And in the medieval ages, the knights would wear, wear uh, uh, their suits of armor. But once again, they could be penetrated so then there was Kevlar, and, and I'm sure that doesn't protect everything. And then there was Iron Man, and even he wasn't protected from those otherworldly creatures. I mean, it seems like there's nothing we can do to protect ourselves in this world. And in a way, that must be exactly what the Ephesians were thinking. They, they were not thinking about the Marvel characters. But they were thinking of the dangers of this world, and how in the world am I to live? Because they knew that demons were real, that Satan was alive and well, and they were surrounded by mysticism, they were raised with it, and so they feared demons. And so Paul is talking to the church, those that have been saved by Christ, and he's trying to let them know, have you forgotten about the provisions that God has provided for you? How, how Christ defeated Satan and his hosts. And he makes that point at the very beginning of Ephesians, and he's continued to make it today. In Ephesians 1, Paul says, I pray that your eye, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Do you understand what Paul's trying to tell him? You're afraid of demons, but let me remind you of what happened in Christ. As before Christ, you were sinful people. And there was nothing you could do to, to erase your sin. So God sent Jesus into this world to take to live the perfect life and to take your sins with him to his death on the cross. And because of his righteous life, what God did while Jesus was in the grave was he raised him by this incomparably great power from the dead, which is impressive in and of itself. But he did more than that. He erased the sins that he took to the cross. I know this is true because he seated him at the, his right hand in the heavenly realms, and can sin be in the presence of God? No, that was the whole problem. So this great power raised Jesus, who was wearing my sin, the sins of the world, from the dead and seated him in heaven. That's power. So what are you afraid of? Paul made the same point in Colossians chapter 2, when he reminds them, you were dead in your sins, but God made you alive in Christ. In Christ, he forgave our sins, and he canceled our indebtedness. And how did he do it? By Christ taking our sins and nailing them to the cross. And when Christ did that on the cross, verse 15, and having disarmed, having disarmed the power and authorities, the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In other words, Jesus was victorious. 
they thought they were killing the Son of God and making a spectacle of him. And in the end, the opposite happened. When Satan thought he won the greatest battle, he lost. Christ was victorious. The battle belongs to the Lord. And so he makes this point in our text today, Ephesians 6, verse 10. And the point is we are protected by that same power. So Paul starts with finally, which means he's kind of wrapping up his thoughts in, in Ephesians. I'm not wrapping up my thoughts today. I haven't hardly got started, okay? So sit back and relax or go to sleep, whatever, because we got some time to go still. But Paul is trying to say all these thoughts we've been talking about, here's the point. He gives them words of, of great importance to his, to his readers, to his listeners. He wanted them to see, this is where I've been taking you. And he's trying to explain this need for unity in the body of believers, because there's going to be clashes with evil, and the church has to be ready to stand in the middle of the battle. So he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Because that's where the victory is found. Paul knew that humans, even Christians, are weak. He remembered the words that Jesus spoke to the disciples in the garden when he said, watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he knows that we struggle with this battle. And he's about to tell them to stand strong, to stand. But, be, but here, he, in verse 10, he calls us to be strong. And so are we going to be strong and to stand just on our own? No, the flesh is, is weak. I mean, we might have that desire, but we can't do it on our own. We stand in his power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And that the language there is a continuing empowering. It's a continual thing that happens. You can continue to stand strong because of his continual power in our life. Not a strength that we have as humans or somehow can obtain, but it's a continuing power of being a part of Christ in that community. God's strength and his mighty power are available to all of God's people. So be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, verse 11, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And we wear this armor not to fight, but we, we wear it to, to stand. I mean, it, it, and to do that, this armor is, is the godly living that we have. It's the way we live our life. The, the battle for us is fought every day with our choices and with our actions. And as we're making those choices and actions, are we protected? We put on the full armor. We put it on through our godly living and doing what God wants us to do. It's what keeps us safe. Many of you have hair the color of mine. Uh, remember, do you remember the days before seatbelt laws? Yeah. M many of us many of us do. Um, I know parents, young parents, you're just going to cringe. But we used to ride in cars without seatbelts or car seats. I, I mean, when I was your toddler's age... My place in the car was behind my dad's shoulder. He would be driving, and I would stand there. Oh, we even rode in the back of pickups in the bed of trucks. Yes. Now we won't even let our pets do that. No. I, I remember life before seatbelts. 
And it wasn't that our parents didn't care about us. We learned better. But literally, I rode in cars that didn't have seatbelts. I, I can still remember that. But all of a sudden, seatbelt laws came about, and it was hard for us. For those of us who were raised without it, and plus, they weren't as nice as they are now. It's very easy to put on a seatbelt now. You couldn't find the seatbelts in most of our cars. They were down in the, behind the seat. But I, 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 I had a hard time learning to wear a seatbelt. I had to learn how to do that. And yes, I might have gotten a ticket for not wearing a seatbelt. It was because I couldn't get the seatbelt on because I was talking on my phone. And the policeman pointed out both of those things. And I paid the price. But I have to tell you now, seriously, the other day I got in the car and I started driving. I didn't have my seatbelt on. And I wanted to pull over and stop. And I did. I, I couldn't. I felt unprotected. And I was still in my neighborhood. And it wasn't just the beeping going off that made me feel unprotected. You know, I, I literally, I wouldn't drive now without a seatbelt. I, I don't feel protected. There was a day I lived in this world and doing godly things felt uncomfortable. It's not how I was raised. I was unfamiliar with it. But now, as a Christian, why, why would I even think about walking into this world unprotected? Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes and he points out be aware of the source of the conflict for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms he's pointing out this is why you need protection what you need protection from is is something bigger than you it is satan and his demons and so you just want to throw up your hands and give up right I, I can't do anything about this. And Paul's point is, yes, you can because you're in Christ. You can be strong in the Lord. You can take your stand. And if that's not clear enough for you, let, let's go to James chapter 4, verse 7, who makes this point very, very clearly. He talks about how we're protected and that victory and protection comes from Christ. James put it this way, submit yourselves then to God. When you submit yourself to God, you're placed in God. So that's be strong in the Lord. Submit yourself to God. Be strong in the Lord. And then resist the devil and he will flee from you. Be strong in the Lord and take your stand. Submit yourself into God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's how we stand. Protected by his power. In our Sunday morning adult classes, we're actually studying the book of Ephesians. And I hope you're enjoying that. If you're not in an adult class, consider joining one. The study has just been outstanding. Last week, we looked at Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. And Paul makes this point that he's trying to make here very clearly. He starts out this way in Ephesians 2, verse 1. You were dead. Let me me just ask you one more time. What can dead people do for themselves? You were dead, not almost dead. You were, you were dead. You could do nothing for yourself but God, because of his great love for us, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. Do you get it? 
Christ on the cross took our sins. He was dead in transgression, the sins of the world. And the mighty power of God, remember we studied this, raised him from the dead, dealt with those sins because of his righteousness and seated him with God. God made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. That same power is at work. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We are seated right now with Christ. We will be, but we are. We, in him, we are in Him. And in Him, we are with at the right hand of God. And how much sin can be at the right hand of God? And when we're seated with Christ at that right hand of God, how many times can Satan win? Can Satan ever win in heaven? No. Christ will win every time. We are protected by his power and we are also standing now in his protection so that what i'm saying does not mean that christmas christians have no worries and they won't have any struggles that is not the point at all it's just that we stand in his protection because of that power in verse 13 he makes this point very clear ephesians 6 13 so that when the days of evil come in other words Evil days are coming. So when evil comes, how are we going to handle it? That's his point. And Paul here is saying, put on the full armor of God. He's urging Christians to be prepared, to be wakeful. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of stray arrows flying around. And we can't be protected without God's presence in our life. So Paul continues all through Ephesians, to call the Ephesian Christians to holy living, to have this protection. In other words, to buckle up, to put on the full armor of God so that we can fight Satan. Who does the battle belong to? Who's going to do the fighting? Paul's making it very clear the purpose of the armor. Just to make it real easy, look at this next slide. Our purpose is to do what in the midst of the battle? Stand, as opposed to run away, crumble and fall into sin. The purpose of the armor is to make it where we can stand. Not stand still, but stand. God empowers his people, and he does not leave us unarmed. We are decked out in God's armor, not to fight, but to stand. And while you're standing, watch God fight the battle for us. In other words, it's not up to you. So how many demons to the Ephesians are going to be able to attack you? You've got on the armor of God, Christ defeated all demons, Satan. He, he made a spectacle of them, and he's going to take care of this. You can stand. You don't have to fear demons or evil any longer. When the days of evil come, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. And the way that we're able to do that is by putting on the full armor of God. And that armor relates a lot to godly living. 
The spiritual battle for us who are still flesh and blood gets fought every day in our decisions. In other words, every, t- <clears throat> every time I speak truth in the midst of Satan's lies, every time I help another person in need, every time I remain sexually pure, every time I act in the family as I'm supposed to, a battle is won. God's people must put on the whole armor. Armor up. And we do that off through our actions. Paul put it this way in Romans 13, 12. The night's nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. You remember the darkness and the deeds of darkness. Now we're armored up in light. Put on the full armor of God. I mean the complete, the panoplia, the panoply of God. The complete equipment, head to toe. Paul wrote that letter, like I said, chained to a, a Roman soldier. And I'm sure that's where he got the metaphor for these descriptions. I mean, and thinking about how they wore it from head to toe to keep themselves completely protected. And from head to toe, we are to live holy and blameless lives. God's armor is just not a bunch of tools. They are gifts from God to help us. We are standing in His protection. So verse 14, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. Satan attacks us with lies. And his lies sound like truth. But we have God's truth. And we can defeat Satan's lies. Lies. Remember, you have truth. And may that hold all of your life together. And we have the breastplate of righteousness in place. Satan loves to attack our hearts, the seat of our emotions, our self worth, our trust. And yet we wear God's righteousness as our breastplate to protect our hearts, to help us know that we're, re- we're approved by Him. I mean, isn't a part of your heart when, when you're living in a battle and, and life seems to be falling apart around you, don't you ever feel like I'm not worthy? It's one of Satan's greatest lies. You are not worthy. And yet God's righteousness protects me. You, you remember that righteousness. I couldn't live a righteous life, but Jesus did. And that righteous one went to the cross and bore my sins. And God raised him from the dead, forgave those sins because of Jesus, and seated him with the right hand. It in my righteousness. It's God's righteousness. And because of that, I can be right before God. I can live a righteous life. I can make a difference. I was dead. When I tried to be righteous on my own. I could do nothing for myself. But God made me alive. And my heart is protected by his righteousness. And I can live a righteous life now. We stand in his protection. With our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. There is so much here that we won't get to talk about. And and so much of it I don't even think I get yet. But let me just make a couple of points. Another one of Satan's lies is that the job's too big. 
The job of telling the good news, I, I mean, it's a hopeless task. What, what can you do? The task is so big, there's just no way we can handle it. But God's foot gear, the gospel of peace, leads us into this journey. You remember, I was not at peace with God, but because of Jesus, I am now at peace with God. I can be with God. I am with Christ. And as I walk into this world, can't I walk with a peace that comes from being with Christ? And do such, so in such a way that it blesses a world that is in a battle with a peace. Let's take the peace the people need and let's just take it with us on our spiritual journey in life so that they can find peace on their spiritual journey. And then he adds, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Satan's attacks come in a lot of forms. That includes insults, setbacks, temptations. But the shield of faith, my faith, protects me from all of those flaming arrows. The shield of faith. In the midst of doubts and insults, temptations, I am guarded by my faith. I have faith. It is my shield against the temptations. Uh, you can, you could never, you can't. No, I have faith. Remember, he is talking to the church. And as a part of that, he has just talked to the church about their marriages. He's talked about parenting. He's talked about uh, slaves and owners, masters and slaves relationship. He's talking to the church. And he's saying, raise your shield together. I mean, as he looks at that Roman soldier, he must have known how they linked their shields. And he's saying to the church, to, oh, by the way, that's us. Raise your shields together. Let our faith be our strength. Not just mine, but ours. I can face my spiritual attacks and you, yours because we have a faith in common. We can help each other. And then we also just stand in his protection by taking the helmet of salvation. Satan wants to make us doubt that God, that Jesus, will save us. It's a mind game. So, for those of us who are believers, and may, maybe especially those of us who've been believers for decades, long time, do you ever still wonder if you're really saved? I mean, on that day of judgment, man, I, I hope, I have hope. It's, not, it's more than we can talk about right now. But we should have our minds and our thinkings, <coughs> thinking protected from Satan's doubts by the helmet of salvation. Because of the blood of Jesus, you are saved. What can separate you from your salvation? Angels, demons, life, death.
you're wanting me to say, yeah, but I, I still have to do good. <laughs> you're saved by the grace of God. What, 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 you want to do bad? <laughs> no, 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 just listen. Let your minds be protected by the fact that you are saved. You couldn't save yourself because you were dead. And what can dead people do for themselves? Nothing. Helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, you know, when we are tempted, we have the sword of the Spirit. In other words, God's Word cuts through all, <coughs> all of Satan's lies. Excuse me. I really wanted to say that strong. <laughs> the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, cuts through all of Satan's lies. Don't underestimate the power of God's Word in spiritual warfare. Even Jesus, in the presence of Satan when he was tempted, used God's Word. Which meant Jesus knew it. Of course, he wrote it, but... He also knew God's Word. He was raised hearing God's Word. Use the Word of God that you know. Should you know more? Absolutely. You want to learn more? Good. Do. Ah, oh, but I can't ever remember where it's found. You don't have to know book, chapter, and verse. Paul didn't. They weren't written then. And sometimes, Paul, I go back and I'm going, is you quoting that? But he got the concept. So maybe you can't quote all those wonderful verses. Study more. Learn more. You always should be learning. But know what you, use what you know. Read God's word. Let it be a part of your protection. It helps us deal with the lies of life. Well, I can remember clearly at times, especially in junior high and high school, when I was really struggling with some temptations and my friends, oh, God wouldn't make us that way if he didn't want us to act upon those feelings. Things like that. I'm going, what? That, that doesn't sound like the Bible I read. Seems like the Bible says somewhere. And I couldn't quote you the book, chapter, and verse, but I didn't know what God taught. And then he moves on, and he's going to talk about how we have protection in prayer. Now, Paul doesn't associate prayer with a particular weapon, but he sure gives it a lot of attention here. And I think we should do as well as we wrap up. So... Remember I told you we are in full armor, not to win the battle because God fights the battle. I mean, it's raging around us. It's not our job to win because God already won. We are here to stand, not to stumble, not to fall, but to stand. So what are you going to do while you're taking your stand, while you're standing fully armored by God and the battle rages around you? Paul says, pray. If I, I were to ask the kids at story time, what does prayer mean? What would they tell me? Talking to God. So, the battle's raging around you. You're standing there armored up. You don't have to fight every little battle around you. God's got the battle going. He's got that. What are you going to do? Talk to God. you got plenty of time. Talk to Him about yourself. Your feelings. What, what's going on? Talk to Him about the church, the Lord's people, others. I mean... In the midst of battle, all you can see is what's right in front of you. And sometimes it doesn't look good. 
I mean, it, it literally looks like things are out of control, that Satan's winning. But you have a connection to the guy in the sky who's got a whole different perspective. So call in and talk. He sees all. He knows all. Ask him about it. He's all-powerful and all-capable, so ask, why do I feel like we're being overwhelmed? He is in full control. So just talk to him about it. Talk to him about how you're feeling, what you're experiencing. God spoke about how he responds to his, his, his people when they call him. Isaiah 65, 24, the words of God. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. So in the confusion of battle, talk to God. He's listening. He's not so busy fighting the battle that he can't talk to you. He's got all the time for you. And when you do this, this is what happens. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all, <clears throat> all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, what would happen if Christians everywhere took prayer as seriously as the champions in the Bible did? I mean, you remember some of the things that they had to go through. What would happen if Christians today took literally the phrase, pray without ceasing? Continually talk to God about what's happening in your life and around you. No matter what each moment holds, we feel those moments recognizing God's presence and talking to Him. Knowing that before I call, He answers. Maybe then I could be a little bit more like David, a man of wisdom, or Daniel, who lived a life of courage and integrity. Or Job, who was able to keep his faith even in the midst of tragedy. Or the apostles, who found the power to evangelize the world. They all knew what it was like to live life connected to God and his power and his protection. And so Paul uses himself as an example of this in the next verses. Verses 19 and 20. Pray also for me that when I, speak wor- when I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I mean, over and over, Paul's commanding us to stand. And he's asking that he can stand and proclaim the victory. Now, I can't go very far into this because that's Randy's message next week. But we can stand and live our victorious lives now because the victory has been won. And Paul is saying prayer is the key. The battle belongs to the Lord. He defeated Satan. He healed my broken spirit. And I can be with him in heaven, both now and forevermore. And that gives me the power now to stand firm and trust in the Lord's strength. 
because all believers are with Christ who is at the right hand of God, both now and forevermore. Well, I love the fact that we've been giving a challenge with this sermon series. So, I've been thinking all week, what's the challenge? And it, I think I got a good one. So, my challenge this week is as you get ready every morning, whatever your morning routine is, finish getting ready each morning with Ephesians 6, 14 through 17. Now, you figure out what that looks like. It might be that you just print Ephesians 6, 14 through 17 and post it somewhere. Maybe on your mirror where you get ready. I, I actually dress in, in my closet, and I have a little counter there, that, I mean a little shelf that I have all my, my, my stuff on. And maybe I just post it right there. You can do the whole scripture, or maybe you just want to pick out the different things. Maybe you just want to write belt of truth. And as you get ready, physically think about, God, help today everything I am my life be held together by truth, by your truth. And help me put on the breastplate of righteousness that, that I will find myself grounded in your love and your righteousness will guard me. That I'll put on my feet this gospel of peace and the peace that I found with you May it guide my walk into this world so others too might find peace on their spiritual journey. But when I do face those fiery darts of the evil one, help me to be a person of faith, to believe, to be a person of faith. And may I never doubt that I am saved. And when the lies come, Father, help me to find your word hidden in my heart. And then you can walk into this world not trembling with fear, but trembling with gratefulness and love, knowing you are guarded, that you have an impenetrable defense So let's face tomorrow with gratitude in our hearts. Of course, the key to that is being with Christ. Paul explains very clearly what it means to be clothed with Christ in Galatians. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And friend, if you've never put on Christ in baptism... Maybe now's the time. You've been studying, you're thinking, what we talked about today is found in Christ. Would you place yourself in him? Submit to him in the waters of baptism. Have your sins washed away. We have time right now. We would love to celebrate with you. But brother and sister, we have. And so now it's up to us to live that life. To stand. The battle's raging. We don't have to win every win the fight. That's the battle's God's. We are to stand, not trembling in fear and uncertainty but trembling with love and appreciation. He won. The victory is ours today, tomorrow, and on that day. If we can help you in any way, we'd love to, to, to do so. There'll be a couple of shepherds and their wives in the parlor. They would love to pray with you. They're going to be in there praying anyway. Feel free to join them. They would love to. Or you can come this morning, and we'd pray for you as well. Isn't it time 
that we allow God to take control of our lives. That's our invitation song. Let's stand and sing.